0: Breakfast, in show. breakfast show with the double L team, Lyle and
1: Lawson.
0: Good morning and welcome everybody. You're listening on 876, 878, or 88 right across Australia. Special welcomes to, to welcome to those listening in, Millmere, with your hosts, in Queensland, Lyle on and Lawson. Munta in South Australia on 87.6 and Thornley in Western Australia on 87.6.
1: Shout out to all those people. I don't know anyone from those areas, but you know, congratulations! You're listening you to the breakfast show. You probably do. Yeah. Okay. It's I've, a small world. Yeah. But uh, anyway, I know someone through someone else. Yes. Who lives there? That's right. For sure. Absolutely. What are you grateful oh, for? Oh, I'm grateful for all kinds of things this morning. Uh-huh. I'm. I, I think
0: I, I mentioned this briefly yesterday, but I'm going to mention it properly today. Mm. I'm grateful for roofs. Roofs. Yes. That they cover houses. Yes. Yeah. Especially right okay, now. Okay. So you've got you've got you know the fourth time this year that some people are being evacuated from their homes because of flooding. That's Mm. never happened in Australia before. Mm. And all of these things are a sign of the times. But if you go to Bangladesh or India or places like that, you've got lots of people that don't have a roof. Mm -hmm. And they are dealing with severe flooding. Yeah. And so I'm just thankful that I've got a roof over my head.
1: Mm. Yeah, me too. Particularly that's a metal roof and I can hear the rain. And a roof on my car as well. Yes. I was driving in this morning. It was treacherous.
0: We are so blessed compared to the majority Mm. of the world who in this kind of a circumstance would be just weathering under a tree somewhere and hoping the tree doesn't fall over. Mm. There are so many people in our world who are like that. And on today's Like Today, those of us who have been blessed to live in a developed country, we should be thankful for that and think of those who are not.
1: You're listening to The Breakfast
0: Show Podcast on
1: Faith FM positively different. This morning, time for our quiz to get started. Lawson, let's go for it. Okay, so we're going to have our quiz this morning. And of course, if you answer quiz questions correctly, your name gets in the draw, and then you have the opportunity to win the draw at the end of the week. We just want to remind you guys as well, we have terms and conditions for our quiz on our website. So if you want to head to faithfm.com.au, you will find all the terms and conditions there. But... The first question for today. While on a ship sailing to Italy, in the midst of a storm, who told Paul that no no lives on board would be is the number to call or text our prize for this week. We have two different books here. Cook 30.2, which is by Jeremy Dixon, a person who we love coming on the, the radio and talking to us about all things food. And this book is about how you can cook these amazing, healthy, awesome, tasty meals from scratch within 30 minutes. The other book that we have here, Nine Habits for Healthy Christians. So essentially taking the health principles of the Bible and applying them to our lives. Uh And I've got some a list of recipes that actually comes from this book, thirty Cook 30.2. 30. So, if you want to make... Oh, when I saw this, like, I literally mind-blown. Like, I was like, are you serious right now? I don't it, think
0: we should let you do cookbooks anymore. If
1: you want to cook Spanish paella, which oh, is like, paella. Paella, pa- yes. Paella. <laughs> paella. Okay. <laughs> well, that's what I call it anyway. Yeah. You yeah. live there, so... Yeah, yeah. Oh, dude, I could honestly say it's, like, probably... One of my favorite things to eat in the whole wide world. It's, it's it is so absolutely good. awesome. If you want to be able to make that from scratch in thirty minutes, which I'm like, how is that even possible? It's got to be Jeremy Dixon did it, and so it's got to be zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. Again, that question was: while on a ship sailing to Italy in the midst of the storm, who told Paul that no lives on board would be lost? Okay. Yep. Know the answer. Then you go in the
0: running. 0491 mm-hmm. 064 Let's have some positively different news.
1: Positively different news this morning. Well, I, I'm, this has just been something that's racking my brain. So, while I got home last night at about 6 p.m., you know, went out and did some work and met with some people and gave some Bible studies, you know, having, having a great time. I got home at 6, 6 p.m. <laughs> and I felt... Quite tired. I was like, you know, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not really like. I brought my my bag in, and I'm preaching at Raymond Terrace Mission Adventist Church this weekend. So I'm like, oh yeah, I'll work on my my sermon. Uh, and I put my laptop on my desk, and I'm about to do some work. Then I'm like, man, I'm so tired. It's like six thirty p.m. I'm like dying. I'm like, maybe I can have like a little nap or something. And so I walk over to my bed, get in bed, fall asleep. And I wake up at my alarm at five thirty in the morning. Oh, <laughs> you've slept for what eleven hours? Uh, a, a little under twelve hours. You needed that, yeah. But, but this is the thing, while I'm like, why did I need so much sleep? You know, it's not like I'm been getting bad sleep every other night. And so I did a, a quick check on WebMD. And, uh, right. you know, which is the most reliable source. If oh, you absolutely. Want, Google, Google, Google is going to... if you Dr. want Google. a diagnosis. So I started reading through and, you know, some of the symptoms of why people sleep longer than regular. It's like if you have regular headaches. Now, I have headaches sometimes. I'm like, no, that's not me. Maybe if you have chronic back pain, you know, I don't have back pain. It's like, are you really depressed? And I'm like, well, not right now. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty happy. I'm doing all right. Then the next one was heart disease. And I'm like, dude, do I have heart disease? Because they they did this study with seventy two thousand women, and they saw that people who were sleeping eleven hours a night or more, thirty eight percent of them were more likely to have heart disease. So I'm like, do I have heart disease? And I'm my, like, my brother was sleeping like this for a while, and he had heart disease. Okay, so I like, you know, it was, it was serious. Beat my chest a couple of times, I was like, oh, well, it's still working. It's still I don't ticking. know, it's still going. Uh, and then finally, the last symptom that could be, you know, a well, the last cause that could be a symptom for sleeping too long is death. It's <laughs> just like um, people um, people, people, who, people, who sleep longer have a higher death rate in general. Yeah, I was going to say as a symptom, you
0: know, when you're dead, you are definitely, <laughs> definitely asleep. Yeah, that's right. You know, that's
1: right. you have actually found the problem. Yeah. And the
0: problem is...
1: You're dead. <laughs> You're dead. Well, of course, this is saying it as in like people who have, have consistently longer yes. sleeping rates, you know, between yeah. nine between nine to eleven hours are more likely to die. And I was thinking, bro, I don't want to be in that category. So I guess from now on, I'll be trying to sleep less. At the same time, it was like I just fell asleep and was was, was Doctor Google never actually mentioned anything along the lines of uh exhaustion? Yeah. Overtired? I mean maybe that kind of the obvious that was Maybe the case, but I'm I'm just you know if I I'm kind of getting worried now. Am I going to pass away? Nah, I'm just joking. But at the same time, that was just an interesting situation. I'm like, I woke up this morning, my alarm was beep beep beep, I'm like, oh wait, well, the, what? The key thing there is you woke up. Is it? Yeah, praise God. <laughs> <laughs> Always a good day when you're And I'm up. here, so, you know, and actually, dude, I, I woke up this morning and, you know, I could hear the howling wind and the, the rain falling on the roof, but I was in my warm bed and I was like, well, you know, that was, that, was, that, was a pretty, that was a pretty good time. Okay, let's have a look at some other news coming from right across the world. Actually, news from Hawaii. They have just been shipped 158 Tesla megabatteries that okay. will do away with the hawaii this is to the to the island of oahu mm-hmm. to do away with their coal-fired power station okay so they gotta no more importing coal they don't have coal in hawaii so no 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 no, no. don't have to import. so it. they import coal to run it through the power station to power the islands you know yeah. oahu's a big city yeah it is it's an island that is covered with city that's right but they're like and cliffs not anymore Where, where, well, it's not, it's still going to be covered with city. City and cliffs and beaches. That's my summary of Oahu. I I can't remember if I've been to Oahu. I've been to Waikiki. Is that the same thing? Yes. Okay, so that's That's on Oahu. Yeah, on Oahu. okay, Okay, sweet. Well, I've been to Waikiki, and yeah, I can say that it is a big beautiful amazing awesome place and oh it's like really beautiful i went surfing there actually and what's different between like surfing there and surfing over here like if you surf at newcastle beach which admittedly isn't that good of a surfing beach like there's waves and stuff and there's heaps of surfers but compared to other beaches it's like you know the best we got and the break is like just before the shore so you like stand up for like 15 seconds and then jump off whereas like in hawaii the break is like 100 meters out from shore and you ride the break all the way into shore and so you just like i was like 10 and this is why hawaiians invented surfing that's right
0: they uh, looked out there and like we're gonna ride
1: that, that that's right it's so cool i was like 10 so i weighed like 35 kilos or something on this big long foam uh long that just could not flip no matter what I did. And I just stood there for like a minute, riding all the way into shore. It was like the greatest As thing ever. you would. Uh, anyways, but yeah, this part of the world, they're like, well, look, we've got an area that's small enough. Yes, there's lots of people who live here, but it's small enough that if we just have enough batteries and enough, you know, solar panels and, and wind turbines to power those batteries. Then we can shut the place. We shut, can shut, shut the coal down. Shut the coal off. And so that's what they've did. They've just, all of the batteries have just been shipped there. They've landed. And uh, they're in the process of setting them all up. And they reckon by March 2023, they'll be completely coal That's cool. Not running on coal, not running on gas. They'll be running completely on, on lithium. Rid- yeah. Yeah. Which you could say also isn't a renewable resource, but at the same time, it's not a resource and is, that. And you this use. is the interesting
0: thing, you know, we as human beings are doing all kinds of things to try and solve the problem so that we can maintain the current lifestyle that we have. But the reality is that's actually impossible. Mm. Because okay, we move from coal to lithium, but what happens when the lithium runs out? Yeah. And with the population that we have in our world, you know, our world simply cannot continue exist mm. as continue to exist
1: as it is right now and the reality is that jesus is coming back soon very true very true even to hawaii even to somewhere that looks like i'm like dude like we've been to hawaii it's paradise and and i
0: think i i support lithium over coal i think it's a better alternative but at the same time let's not fool ourselves that lithium is not a pretty toxic kind of substance as well
1: but i feel like this is the only area in the world in which they could actually achieve this because it is an island with like a limited capacity of amount of the amount of people who can actually live there, and the amount of things that they. Well, it's definitely a good place run. to.
0: It's definitely a good place to do it. Yeah, but I mean, if you look at many of the developing nations across the South Pacific, mm. uh, as soon as you get outside of the capital cities, everything runs off of solar and lithium.
1: That's right. That's right. But when it comes to. Again, capital cities and when it comes to these big cities like where there's just so much potential for expansion and where it is expanding because our population is constantly growing, like you'll we'll just never meet the demands. And so yeah, it's it's like such a catch-22 situation. Like we can celebrate this, but it's like, oh, it's never gonna happen because our world is falling apart and getting worse and worse and worse. But praise God, because we know Jesus is coming back soon. You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM positively different. Let's have another clue question for our quiz. All right, here we go. Another another clue for the quiz question. Which chapter in Revelation has the fewest verses? 491 64 is the number to call or text if you know the answer to that one. If you do, you can go into the draw to win Cook 30.2 by Jeremy Dixon. Amazing recipes that can be cooked from scratch within 30 minutes. And as well as that, nine habits for healthy Christians, which is a book about how we can take biblical principles on health and apply them to our lives to, to live the lives that God has called us to live. Ah, oh, great stuff! Let's mm-hmm. uh, give us a call zero four nine one zero six four six six nine is the number. And again, that question was: Which chapter in Revelation has the fewest verses? Let's
2: okay. go.
1: Send your answer. It's winter in
0: <laughs> Queensland. What? North Queensland. It's winter. Yes, means they have to put t-shirts on.
1: Oh, were they not doing that before? <laughs> <laughs> and, and and sandals. Isn't that like winter uh, up there? Requires t-shirts and sandals. Isn't that just like a, a dress code thing? Oh, that That is the dress code. Just no T-shirt, no sandals. <laughs> wow.
0: Okay, so typically that's uh, Queensland, uh, tropical North Queensland. However, what have we got that uh, Townsville is going for, I think, a high of 15 today, um, 13 in Mackay, 12 in Rockhampton, 11 in Gladstone, 14 in Brisbane.
1: <laughs> <laughs> These are temperatures That between, is between shocking. This is a eight to twelve below the average. Dude, we're gonna see where we are gonna see like Queenslanders building igloos, bro. <laughs> They're but gonna I- be freaking <laughs> out.
0: <laughs> what on earth is going on? So yeah, Queenslanders, welcome to a little bit of what we get through winter. Um I hope you enjoy it up there. But hey, once again, when you get Uh, records that are tumbling like that, it kind of makes you wonder, you know, what's actually going on in our world. Mm. Okay, so let's talk about digital persecution. So Open Doors is an organisation that is a persecution watchdog. Mm. It's a little bit like Voice of the Martyrs but a little bit different as well. Mm. And it has recently pointed out that the threat of digital persecution is rapidly spreading across the world And governments and tech companies aren't taking notice or keeping up. And we sort of think back, okay, well, that's just like, you know, jumping online and being trolled. No, that's not what we're talking about because that's not really persecution. That's people disagreeing with you and being trolled online. If you look at China, for example, Christians are being targeted via CCTV, data harvesting, spyware, and state monitoring of social media, Because they are trying to stamp out Christianity in all of its forms. And if they find out that you are a Christian, you are going to lose rights left, right, and center because you become
1: a bad citizen. That's right. I think, like, when people talk about digital persecution, the thought could come into the mind, like, oh, are you just talking about, like, cyberbullying? It's like, closes the screen, like, get off the internet. Which, again, like, don't use Facebook. Problem solved. That's right. But we're talking about, like, people using the internet to actually ruin people's lives. Yes. That's right. Yeah. And governments using
0: it and and so forth. Yeah. Okay, so China, as you probably would expect, is leading the world in this kind of technology. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's also exporting it all over the
1: world. So there's a bunch of countries out there that are super interested in what China is doing. Actually, on this point, I was reading a story this morning about how a big group of In, uh, UK MPs, like British MPs, have gotten together and have, are trying to pass a bill to ban the importing of Chinese surveillance technology because of this. Yes.
0: So some some governments and countries are starting to wake up that this stuff exists. Mm. Uh, but basically, you know, when you get countries that are using this, is just operating by the Chinese playbook, which is to oppress religious minorities. Mm. Uh, the Chinese Communist Party have apps that prov- they provide to their citizens to report bad citizenship. Mm. Uh, with you know, so Christians are monitored. Their their location is always known. Their proximity is known. Everything about them is known. Uh, that's gnarly. In March, China passed, published uh, draft legislation banning all religious communication online. Mm. It's crazy stuff. All forms of digital persecution are growing at a frightening pace, and leaving potential enforcers behind in their wake. So that's wow. Kind of what's happening in our world. And you look at that, and you, in the past, we kind of wondered, you know, how would Revelation 13 ever be
1: fulfilled? Mm-hmm not hard to see it yeah it's like because I, I think like particularly if you talk about 100 years ago it's like oh man will everyone be living in the same place for them yeah, to enforce like, like the how do you how these? do you do that yeah but now it's really easy it's easy <laughs> it's really
0: really easy okay so let's talk about netflix mm-hmm. uh if you've got if you're in a car with kids or if you're at home with kids right now probably now would be a time to switch the radio off or go into another room and listen to this, you know, on the podcast. Uh This is not a story that's appropriate for children. Mm. So the kids cartoon, Human Resources, which, well, it's not a kid's cartoon, it's an adult's cartoon, but kids are always going to be attracted to and watch cartoons. Um, And it's basically pornographic, it is grooming, it has pedophile depictions in it. Uh, Just some examples that I'm Uh, going to share with you. yeah. So you've got the hormone monster who says, I mean, I'm perfectly satisfied getting children to touch their privates. This is evil, this is gross, this is grooming. Anybody who consumes this kind of material should be arrested and locked away. (laughs) This is just disgusting stuff. You've got another monster of some kind who is made up of uh, three penises and he's called Mr. Dick Pinwheel. Yikes. Uh, You've got hardcore bondage scenes. And this is all presented in a cartoon format. If you presented this with actual actors... It would never be allowed, but because their animator's is like, oh, it's just a cartoon, who cares about it? Mm. Now, the assumption with a cartoon is that, you know, as I said before, cartoons are for children. Kids will naturally watch a cartoon. They will see it on the screen. They will click on it. Parents will naturally go, oh, it's a cartoon, and put it on for their kids, not realising that this is not for children. This is not for anybody. This is for sickos who need to be arrested and placed in jail and taken off the streets because they are dangerous individuals who are involved in grooming children. And uh, anybody who actually likes this kind of thing is like... What, what what are you? So this is a spin-off from Big Mouth.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Um, which is an adult animated TV series that focuses on middle schoolers, so mm. 12 to 13-year-olds and a whole bunch of sexual situations, sexual dialogue. For instance, in the uh, last uh, season of Big Mouth, in four and a half hours of programming, Each minute of programming, so four and a half hours, each minute of programming featured four instances instances of sex, violence and profane, indecent or obscene language. Mm. That's in every minute for four and a half hours you had four instances. So that's every 15 seconds Mm. you're going to have profanity, obscenity, indecency, uh, you had uh, 17 instances of of nudity featuring featuring the genitals of minor aged children. Who wants to see that? Mm, no, nah, this is disgusting. What kind of person wants to see that? Ugh. So you've got uh, so this has been reported by the Parent Television Media Council, and we state there's a multitude of sexually charged language. Uh, the Parent Television Media Council has never seen or heard on any television program in its 26-year history. Mm. Never, ever been presented on TV before that has been seen by this particular global watchdog. The only positive to this story is that Netflix has lost 200,000 subscribers and is expecting to lose another 2 million more in coming months. And the only thing you can really do to combat this kind of stuff is to cancel your Netflix subscription. Get rid of it. Because these people have an agenda to normalise the most degrading behaviour that there is that should have the longest prison sentences because it absolutely destroys children. Mm. We have a massive problem with children's lives being destroyed. One in four girls in Australia are abused. One in six boys in Australia are abused. We need to be doing something to combat this problem. We don't need to be doing something to encourage this problem. But what mm. you have is that people who are perpetrators of this are endeavouring to do all they can to normalise it so that they can legalise it because they've seen the changes that have been made elsewhere in relationship to, you know, LGBTQ+, uh, they've seen the changes that have been made elsewhere in relationship to trans ideology, and they're like, well, we want in on this now. Mm. And if... If And they and they see how those changes are made. Those changes are made through the media. Yeah. And so, like, well, if we're going to get on in, the, in on this, then we need to copy what they did and we need to work through the media to corrupt the world. The Bible says that just before Jesus comes back, it will be as it was in the days of Sodom and Gomorrah. This should be our expectation mm. as Christians.
1: You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Mm -hmm. Lawson, let's have another clue for a quiz. Which of the following (laughs) appears first in the New Testament? (coughs) Hebrews, 1 Peter, or Titus? I know the answer to this one. You know the answer? I was actually my
0: headspace was. <laughs> you are you you think about the interview that we're about interview. to do.
1: Yeah, because we're uh, about to have an awesome interview. It's going to be amazing. But before we get into it, I just have to tell you guys: if you answer these questions correctly, you will put your name in the draw to win Cook Thirty Point Two and Nine Habits for a Healthy Christian. You could win both of those books, and of course, the more answers that you get correct, the more draws, yeah, the more entries that you have into the draw. But again, that number was zero four nine one zero six four six six nine, and that question was: which of the following? appears first in the new testament hebrews first peter or titus Uh, okay i do know the answer
0: all right let's go to our interview of the day we've got joining us uh for his uh, monthly update is dr john ashton to talk about creation and science dr john ashton welcome to the show
2: yeah hi lyle good to be here
0: now what are we talking about this month
2: Um, Well, I was thinking there's been quite a bit of uh, talk on the news recently about this mite that is uh, getting in and destroying bees. Yes. And uh, bees um, are absolutely um, amazing creatures. And um, uh, some research was published not uh, so long ago from uh, RMIT University in, in Melbourne that I'm associated with. And um, this new study showed that bees can be taught to recognise colours as symbolic representations for addition and subtraction and that they can use this information to solve arithmetic problems. That's yes, an absolutely... Absolutely.
0: You have got to be, You are blowing my mind right now.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'll just continue reading the press release and, and people can look it up. Uh, the professor doing the research is Adrian Dyer, and he said that um, numerical operations like addition and subtraction are complex because they require two levels of processing. You need to be able to hold the rules for adding and subtracting in your long-term memory while mentally manipulating a set of given numbers in your short-term memory, Dyer said. And on top of this, these Our bees also use their short-term memories to solve arithmetic problems, as they learn to recognise plus or minus as abstract concepts rather than being a given visual aids. Our findings suggest that advanced numerical cognition may be found much more widely in nature among non-human animals than previously suspected. So that was part of the the press release, and I thought that's pretty. Pretty interesting um, stuff in terms of uh, uh, creation. Um, another article that I read uh, was that um, the honeybees get their mathematical um, abilities via genetic codes that are built into their uh, DNA. And another part of their uh, mathematical ability, um, I was reading it, and this is, came out of another study, is that. Um, honeybees can navigate uh, according to a, a built-in compass and it turns out that the bees um, uh, sort of navigate according to fluctuations in the Earth's magnetic field that are only discernible to very sensitive magnetometers. And the article went on to say this explains why bees can build a new hive starting from different parts of the new area without any bee directing them, and they all link up together. Um, The bees build their cell walls with a slope of 13 degrees, always exactly 13 degrees, to make sure that the honey should not be running out before the tops are capped with wax stones. Um, So, you know, that's um, fascinating when you think that that's uh, programmed Um, And they understand that's programmed into their DNA, which of course is this uh, molecule made up of a random, um, well not not random, made up of a selection of uh, four types of uh, chemical subgroups that we uh, call OCT and G, uh, which constitute the letters of the the language that write the instructions uh, that... um, Affect the uh, the cells and particularly the brain cells in, in the bees. It's
0: so, just, it's, um, it just blows my mind. I mean, these are a creature that have a brain that is literally the size of what a pinhead or less, and they're able to accomplish all of this. And, you know, we, we, we look at us as human beings, and, and, and for a long time, I think, you know, evolutionists are like, oh, you know, human beings have been able to succeed because we have a bigger brain. Whereas to me, it seems that. Brain size has actually got nothing to do with this. These are extremely intelligent creatures.
2: Yeah, it's when you think they can, you know, uh, be blown around and fly all the different places and find their way back. Uh, Heaps of times we've been on a drive somewhere and then uh, we've got to find our way back. Now, hang on, when we come out to this street, you know, in some complex subdivision, luckily I have a wife who did geography at school, so she's pretty good Navigating, but I, mean, I find it hard to remember directions. Um, and um, so, yeah, when we think of these, um, you know, all this information and the code and the ability that is put into the DNA code, that um, and it works. You know, when you think just the just the correct angles of things and the fact that you know bees use um, hexagon. Uh, which enables them to form tessellated structures. In other words, all the, the shapes of the, the little cells all fit together, um, using getting a maximum surface area from uh, a minimum amount of uh, perimeter, and yet they all fit together without sort of gaps. It's, that's uh, amazing. I mean, so a lot of people know a lot about these, you know, such as, for example when the workers want to make a queen bee, they're fed just the royal jelly, which are secretions out of the uh, head of the young worker bees. But yet the female worker bees, they're only fed the royal jelly for a, a couple of days after a little grub, a little other hatches out of the egg. And then they're fed a mixture of um, of, of pollen, uh, they're made, you know, bee bread, breed, which is a, a mixture of uh, uh, pollen and... Um, and uh, nectar sort of thing and um, and that changes them into a, a worker. Um, and when you think of it, though, about it, all one of the things that fascinates me is the biochemistry that is involved in, for example, producing the glands that produce the compounds that constitute the jelly. So this is all chemistry and this is extremely complex chemistry that take scientists working in a laboratory with test tubes and the best equipment um, to synthesise these chemicals. It's, it's actually very difficult, and yet nature does this, and it all works, and these chemicals trigger, again, different reactions um, in the DNA in the uh, little bee larvae to either convert it into a queen uh, that, again, has a quite a different body. Uh, produce a whole lot of eggs and so forth uh, versus a worker bee, which is much smaller. And so there's a combination of chemistry and this code, the DNA code that has triggered and set up all these uh, mechanisms and possible chemical reactions and chemicals within because all these parts, when those little eggs, are, that little egg hatches, and it begins to reproduce, that little larvae is built according to the code that is in that DNA. And then as it matures, it goes through and matures then into uh, and uh metamorphose into a a queen bee from a little larva or into a, a worker bee. And the the chemistry involved is just so complex and for you know people to believe that evolutionary processes Develop this uh, that works so perfectly, uh, you know, it's just incredible. And uh, and what really frustrates me is that our young people are still taught evolution in school. Um, There's so much evidence for creation and and bees, our little bees that we see and that we take so much for granted that are responsible for, you know, pollinating the, the plants. I mean, one of the big issues for in evolution is that flowering plants and that are pollinated by insects. That's the insects and the flowers have to evolve at the same time. Well, that yeah. was going to be my next question. You know, which came
0: first, the, uh, the the plants or the bees? Because, you know, when a few years ago, when it looked like you know a lot of the bees around the world could possibly be wiped out, they were saying, "Okay, we're going to lose all of these different crops and we're going to lose all of these different foods because we don't have the bees to pollinate." Which one comes first, the bee or the the plant?
2: Exactly. It's a chicken and egg question, isn't it? Well, that's right. And there's a lot more to this too. When you think of uh, the bee and the the concept of flight of the bee, now the bee has quite a big body for a fairly small wing. You know, when you consider I was watching a sea eagle the other day, you know, it flew directly over me and uh, quite a low level. And... um, You know, the huge wings there, when you look at a bee, quite a different wing system, very Mm. different. And one of the interesting things is in the fossil record, bees appear fully developed. There's no evolutionary background to the bee. It just appears fully formed in the fossil record. Now, where you know this is extremely complex where where's all the evolution where's all the intermediate species where and those, where those are the simplest species yeah that that's right and so, uh, and this is you know such an important um, function and flight is extremely complex you know the muscles involved the shape of the wings all these sort of things and they work you know where are all the failures where are all the attempts you know um you know, they focus on some of these bigger creatures, you know, predators and and these sort of things. But when we look at insects, all the different insects appear in the fossil record, fully formed, fully developed, fully functional. And this is one of the flying insects.
0: But one of the things that sort of really, you know, when we talk about this really just boggles my mind is that, okay, we know a lot about bees because they are so vital to the survival of our world and to, you know, the crops that we you know, the food that we eat every day. There'd be so much food that would simply vanish if bees vanished. So we know a lot about bees. We put a lot of effort into bees. How many insects are there out there that have similar qualities, that have similar levels of complexity and intelligence to a bee that we've just simply never studied or may not have even been described or discovered to this point? Well,
2: that's right. There'd be hundreds of thousands of different types of of insects. And so all, again, with the unique DNA codes that are extremely complex that um, involve millions, tens of millions of uh, pieces of code um, in their, um, you know, probably hundreds of millions, actually, of mm-hmm. letters in their code to describe their DNA. Um and they're able to go through these different processes, uh, of metamorphosis and, and so forth. You know, just the, tip, the you know, the classic butterfly example where you have your little grub goes in, weaves this little cocoon, his body totally dissolves and then reforms, reconstructs with a reproductive system, with wings, um, and, and, and so forth. A different type of digestive system, different mouth parts, all this sort of thing. It all has to be pre-encoded for them to be constructed. Those cells are constructed and arranged in the body as that little caterpillar is, you know, dissolved and essentially reformed according to instructions in the DNA that work perfectly. And, uh, of course, for that to work, you've just got a code. You've just got the language. And, um, you know, you can have, uh, you know, notes in front of you. Like, you know, I've got a, a printout in front of me of the, uh, this, uh, this press release from RNIT University in Melbourne. Um, but it's useless for somebody that, uh, say grew up in, um, uh, in the Ukraine unless they could read English. They, they couldn't read it. So their brain has to be, to, they have to have a code reader. Uh, you know, or, uh, you know, a young person in, uh, you know, in, in Asia somewhere that can't read English, couldn't read this press release in, in front of me. So you've got to have the right code. So again, we've got this unique molecule, the ribosome, which is, uh, uh over, you know, 300,000 atoms are arranged. So it's a, it's a really complex molecular machine that uniquely can read the DNA code. And construct these different, put the, assemble these different proteins that make these, cause the cells to make these different parts and, and assemble them together. There, there's an amazing system that we just, you know, take for granted because we can't see it. It's so small, uh, that's operating. And yet all this works like clockwork and that we have people saying, no, there's no designer. Mm, mm, no, all this arose by random chance, and it just frustrates me so much. And so, it's really great to have the opportunity you know, to talk about this on air. And I I just hope that, um, you know, people listening will, you know, tell their, their friends to look into this sort of thing. You know, the evidence for creation is overwhelming. And if there's a creation, there's a creator, then. You know, there's a God. There is a being that is superior to us. You know, man is not master. And um, I think, you know, it owns on us. If if there is a designer who made this place and we see so much evidence of of love and beauty that in many cases has gone wrong, you know, it also explains the, you know, the sin question as well. And I think we have the Bible. It is a fantastic explanation of this you know compared to many other faiths and I think um, as Christians you know we need to have the confidence to to speak out more uh, I was reading just recently about some of the more you know archaeological evidence for the accuracy of the of the Bible you know the accounts that have been preserved for example in Persian history and all this sort of thing that correlate with the Bible um, as a historical factual book. You know the accounts yes. in Ezra and this sort of thing. Um, we have so much of this, but it's not being taught to people today. They're not being made aware of. You know the the, the Bible is such a historically accurate document as far as we have the you know the historical secular evidence supporting it, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and yet people aren't taking as much notice for it. And yet it explains and tells us about this Creator that designed and built and created these amazing machines, little bees that we, we see around us. Mm.
0: Dr. John Ashton, thank you so much for coming on the show this morning and sharing with us about bees and the unbelievable complexity. We always appreciate it. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.